Community real estate partner. Real estate ownership is key to building generational wealth, and it matters who you work with. Whether you're buying or selling, I am here to help you win. Let's chat. You can find me at agentsunnyjones.com, Facebook, and Instagram, or by text 323-793-7651. If you need a home, call Sunny Jones. 323-793-7651. So when you need a home, call Sunny Jones. When you need a home, call Sunny. Welcome to Slauson Girl Speaks. I'm your host, Slauson Girl, bringing you world news with a South Central state of mind. As someone who majored in critical race, gender, and sexuality studies, my major recent headlining news in popular culture, as well as recent life experiences, are some of the motivations behind this podcast episode. My guest today volunteered to come on after an Instagram post that I made over a month ago. I just want to say that I appreciate my guests today who want to lend their voice and life experiences to this very necessary conversation on my platform today. These conversations need to happen so that understanding can be broadened on both ends of the spectrum, especially because we all live in such close proximity to each other, even though we might not be understanding of people's backgrounds. So with that being said, I would like to introduce my guest today. Um, I guess we'll go this way. Hi, I'm Vita Kari. Uh, my real name is actually Jocelyn Broad, Gradstein, and I am 24 years old. I'm an artist from Los Angeles. Jewish. <laughs> Hi, um, uh, my name is Paula. I'm 28 and from New York originally. Been living in LA for three years, and my family is from Ukraine. They came here in 1989. Also Jewish. <laughs> I'm Austin. I'm 26, almost 27. Um, my parents came from Iran. They migrated to L.A. Uh, right around 79 during the Iranian Revolution. I'm Jewish, and uh, I'm from Beverly Hills. Yeah, that's hey, my hood. That's your hood in Beverly Hills. Shout out to Beverly Hills. I was actually just in Beverly Hills the other day on my way to somewhere where I was trying to get some food hmm. and I just remember um, listening to the new Nas album and kind of just looking to my left and my right and kind of seeing you know like the huge homes and I was just like yeah. you know um, I actually like riding through Beverly Hills um, listening to hip-hop music really loud so if you ever <laughs> if you ever hear me you know no disrespect but that's what I like to do um, so yeah all right cool so how, how are you all doing today um, thanks again for coming out um, to record this podcast episode, I really do appreciate it. Um, we're good, just surviving the heat wave. Yeah, right. We're good. We're cool. We're just staying creative, staying focused. You know, mm -hmm. 
just that type of thing. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's actually a pleasure to have you guys, you all. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Period. Um, so I just want to ask, you know, like we're in the middle of a heat wave, a global pandemic. You know, how have you all been holding up during these times? Um, have you been affected in any way by the pandemic? I think definitely uh, I've been really lucky in the sense that like a lot of things have been like pretty secure for me in a lot of ways. Like I feel like there were, of course, some discrepancies. So I throw like huge events and obviously I can't do that. And for a second, like the income was a confusing situation. But um, like I think things are like kind of falling in place. But that is like I feel like a rare thing. I feel like so many people are not given that stability in certain ways. So I feel like we're mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very blessed in that way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, on paper, I definitely did get laid off like three of my jobs, but like I'm lucky <laughs> enough to like receive unemployment. So like I'm mm-hmm. secure enough financially and like housing is like a little bit of a iffy thing right now, but like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm still like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. rolling with the punches. <laughs> Staying positive, which yeah. is important. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. My father, uh, for like 35 years has been in the clothing industry and he's been so slow for so long. And he's been making masks nonstop, so it's been good for him. He's been mm-hmm. running with it, and um, it's been good. It's been a good break for him. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, well, would you like to say the name of your father's business? Is he? You said they're here in L.A. Yeah. Or you don't have to, you know, if you just wanted to give him some promo. But you say he's good, so yeah, you, you don't can, have to. You can you can reach him through me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Drop the drop the Instagram. Right. Um, yeah. All right, cool, cool. Well, we'll kind of get into some of the topics of interest that um, I asked you guys to send me, you know, anything that you wanted to talk about. Again, I, um, like I said, I wanted this to be a safe space conversation and not one that I domineer. And so um, you guys sent me some, you all sent me some things, and I kind of want to, if you don't mind, um, reading from, some of the things that you sent, uh-huh. which, yeah. um, all right, cool. So I asked Vita, I say, you know, um, if there's anything you'd like to, to talk about, you know, can you send it to me? And this is some of the things that she sent. Um, race versus ethnicity versus religion. And then within that, she says, um, it gets confusing as Jews are an ethno religion, uh-huh. meaning it's an ethnic group as well. As a religion. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you Yeah, like let's to- talk about that. Okay. So I feel like this is something really important because obviously I see this dialogue a lot about, the, you know, the Jews. We see what happened with Nick Cannon. We see Hollywood. We see like the pedophilia rings. We see all these things, right? And it's like the Jews, the Illuminati, whatever. But the fact mm-hmm. is that Jews are actually like not a monolith of like the white man's weird cousin or something. No, mm-hmm. it's like we are a super diverse like group that spans all races but we all like belong to a similar ethnic background so it gets confusing here because it's also a religion so like i personally am not religious paula is not religious but we are both ethnically and culturally jewish meaning that like for a long time our like families have just i guess stayed within the jewish community and a lot of it's lost a lot of it's lost history a lot of it's confusing like my family um immigrated from israel as well as like so they were there before it was was israel was palestine at the time and like that's a whole thing we'll get into as well. But I think it's really important to know that there are Jews of color that are Ethiopian. There's a lot of Ethiopian Jews. And I sent you that mm-hmm. article by a peer. And 
he kind of talks on like Ashkenormativity, Ashkenormative mm-hmm. mindset, which basically is like Ashkenazi is like the white Jewish ethnicity. So I think a lot of times we we whitewash the idea of a Jew, which erases Mizrahi mm. and Sephardic culture mm. all the time. And like those yeah. are two different like brown and uh, groups of Jews as well as like Ethiopian Jews are like all on Fairfax. Like there's so many, like there's a huge yeah. representation of what we look like. I think the best way to look at it is kind of like the Latinx community has white, brown and black people in it. And that's the same as Judaism. But we often see the white supremacy and like the white face of it is what leads us in the conversations. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is that the white face leads in the conversation? Racism, colorism, white supremacy, white supremacy. <laughs> right. Hold on. I, cause this is going to come up in the podcast episode anyways, but why is that ambulance so loud? Like it's know. in the room. <laughs> I know it is. For right? us, yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I just hope they were able to make it in time to the person or the situation. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, yeah, so back to what you were saying, you know, like why is whiteness censored in the Jewish community mm-hmm. or in the in, in in the world? In the world. I sorry. mean, it's Eurocentrism, yeah, yeah. you know, is is it defines our entire world is built on white supremacy. I mean, I think we all know that. So, of course, like, Jews who are, like, white ethnically will receive more power, especially in America, where so many just assimilated to white or mostly, like, passes white. Some of them can't. They still, like, figure it out, you know? And it, it's just, like, it is, like, the social unlock, right? Which is, mm-hmm. like, white culture being decided as white yourself or, like, being by white people. If you can be identified as white to white people, you have a world of opportunity there for you. So, I mean, mm-hmm. of course, like... Uh, a black Jewish person or a brown Jewish person from the Middle East has far less opportunities than like a white Jewish person. And that includes in Israel as well. There's so much colorism within the, you know, Israel as well. And right. I think that we see that in the U.S. It's just it's repeated as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Is there any thoughts that come to mind, um, Austin, uh, so far before we kind of get into your a great, a great man I've met recently? He's an Arab black Jew mm. and um We'll jump into it. It's it's one of the topics, but uh, it's been so many years of this darn religion. What is it, 3,200 years old? Who is, it, how do we know who converted when or who's from the tribes of Israel? I just think there's a lot of hidden things also. And um, I'm just sad that we're, we're animals to be afraid all over the world of people of different color mm. here or in Israel. Uh, Definitely. Yeah, I saw this video recently. There's there's a real radical group of people that even have their own soccer team in Israel. You know which one I'm talking about? Uh-uh. Uh, they have the black and gold colors. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I saw this video recently. Uh, you know, just racism and problems with people of color in Israel. Of course. I mean, I think that that's, and I think that that's a big conversation to bring up when we look at the Jews with criticism as like this monolith, right? Just Mm -hmm. like, just like within like the black community, there's so many different people with different opinions. Same with like the Latinx community. And there you see like very different, like there are like white passing Latinx people, there are black people and there, and even within the same ethnic groups, we have very different opinions. Like, so I think that looking at Jews as the monolith of like what is perceived as this like, you're, you're seeing, like, the tip of the, like, white supremacy here. And, like, 
which is totally messed up and there's like a lot of problems we have within our own community of course about colorism but i think it's definitely important to when talking about a conversation of the jews to not forget that like we're not we're not a monolith right okay definitely definitely Mm -hmm. okay cool um so something else that you had on the list um was uh gentrification in los angeles Uh and kind of analyzing the difference in the jewish communities kind of like the one on fairfax versus like the one in beverly hills i mean i think and that just goes back to like again like so much of privilege you can't talk about privilege without race and you can't Mm -hmm. talk about judaism without race because so much of it is tied together and i think when it comes to gentrification we see of course like the lighter complected jews in the wealthier areas we see Jews of color in different areas. But also I brought up gentrification because I think it's really important to talk about like the Crenshaw Mall mm-hmm. being tried to buy, be bought by like this Israeli Jewish company. I think they have since backed down. But I think that that's important to bring up, which is like we as Jewish people, especially in L.A., do have so much like financial privilege and stuff. And I think we all need to be really like taking a very careful look at like how we move in terms of like when things like that happen, when like big huge cultural like iconic places are being potentially bought and it's a jewish person as jewish people we represent all at one time right so it's like when that happens even if i don't agree with that move now that it reflects the jewish community right so i think do you think so do you think that the power and wealth of say like big corporations like a cim or even you know the power and the wealth of like you know some of the Jewish people that are in Hollywood, right? Mm. Do you think that that represents the Jewish community as a whole? I would argue that we need to be careful to not blend that because that's where Mm. the debates come in at. We can't discuss what we're trying to discuss because the whole community feels offended or Mm. the anti-Semitism idea comes up, you know? But back to my question, do you feel that the moves um, of some of the more wealthier people in the Jewish Jewish community represent the Jewish community as a whole? I think personally, as someone who is part of the Jewish community, I would say no, not at all, right? right? But I also need to be cautious that, like, because of how we are represented in the media, like, this is not, like, my idea, but, mm-hmm. like, we yeah. as Jewish, like, I as a Jewish person, every time I go anywhere, people, if they know that I am a Jewish person, I suddenly represent what that means, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, here we are, like, three very different, ethnically different Jewish people, right, at this at this table right now, mm-hmm. discussing, like, different ideas and concepts, which are vastly different from, like, the, the corporation that tried to buy Crenshaw Mall. But I also, so I personally don't think it reflects the entire community because, like I said, it erases voices of color and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I do know that when something like that happens, large scale especially outside of the jewish community like pretty much just outside of the jewish community Mm -hmm. it is perceived now as a jewish issue right you know and i think that that's really important to just highlight that again not a monolith definitely and it i can identify with that as you know someone in the black community because that's what we face all the time is stereotype threat you know and black people being grouped into this one monolithic idea when in reality just like in the Jewish culture and the Latinx culture. Um, in all the cultures, it's not a monolith. There's different variants, in a sense, of, of people within that group, mm-hmm. right? And so one thing that um, I just want to reiterate to those listening is that we can't group all groups of people together. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's really dangerous. And that's why people like, you know, black people... Even, you know, some 
parts of the Jewish community continue to run into these uh, problems of um, can't break out of these boxes of these ideas of who we are, you know, so... I think we're very divided, actually. Yeah, we are. Jewish people. I think there's this whole thing with color and who's more religious, who's orthodox. Mm. We're all competing with each other. Sephardic, Mizrahi. I mean, there's a million different differences between us, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Neighborhoods, wealth. um, I think it's just, it's a really complex community, and I'm I'm not sure that it's being viewed as that. And Mm -hmm. we fight within ourselves. Mm Mm-hmm. I see that we are so busy thinking of ourselves, uh, uh, quoting other Jewish peoples as outsiders. Of course, we're going to see other people as outsiders, and um, yeah, like non-Jewish people. Or? Yeah. So, oh, that's a. I, I know I kind of put this on my list, but I would love to talk really quick about this word called goyim, because recently I saw yeah. a friend of yeah. ours like an aqu- a music acquaintance uh like without any context basically screenshot the definition of goyim which is like non-jew and just screenshot it and put it on his story right and this yeah. is someone who i feel like i get it like if you look at it it's like oh that does not look good i swear we're not like part of the illuminati but no when that word though goyim i mean we must say that like every other day it's a jo- it's like a joking word like the same as like gringo or like something like that it's like oh you know he's a he's a goy usually it refers to non-jewish white people as well which is it's just kind of like a funny like Ah, you know, okay. I don't see it as funny. I see it really. Yeah, I see it as see a divisive mechanism. I've seen it defined as cattle as well. I'm into all these conspiracy things. You know, I love them. I I'm, I love them. I want to. I want to. I love this Shabbatai Zevi and all. You ever heard all this with not, the Illuminati? I've dug in the rabbit hole. Yeah. So there was <laughs> there's converts and we'll get into it with the Farrakhan and the. They give you research on who's who's Jewish, who's converted. It's all this information. But um, I see it as a very divisive term. I think it's funny. It's like used lightly. Yeah. It's a Jewish supremacy. Like, like Vernel, though, I don't think it's a supremacy. I, I think any like persecuted group of people are going to have wo- a word for the other. So like any any group of people yeah. that has like faced persecution in any time in history is going to have like word for the other. I think it's like a, you think so? Yeah, because we've been otherized, so I think it was a coping mechanism for us, especially to like white non-Jewish people to kind of be like, ah, oh, bro, they're just a goyim. Don't worry about them. Like they might call you a kike, but don't worry, they're just goyams. They don't know how to like fucking make latkes or whatever. You yeah, know what same I mean? Exam- example with gringo. You know, like, it's a great. Yeah, it's very similar to like the word gringo. I feel like so. I mean, and that's because we're both like. You know, just a couple of goofy, like, Jews that like to crack jokes. I think a lot of it is just like, yeah, let's cope. So it's like, yeah, we make a lot of, you know, Jew, Jew jokes. Like, I don't know how to say that. And goyim is a word that's funny to us, I think. Oh, it's not. To me, it's kind of harsh. I get, I mean, yeah. It, yeah, I get it, though. It is It is a very othering word. Like, I, I hear that. And I think that this is just a cool example, again, of, like, there is different different yeah. opinions within our community yeah like my right. family is from the former soviet union and like just the the mm. um idea of like identity within that is is really strange where like if i like introduce myself here in america i'm like yeah i'm i'm russian even though i'm not from russia my family's from ukraine they came here in 1989 but in ukraine they were regarded as jews we call ourselves jews we call ourselves Ivri, and we call the russians mm. the non-jewish russians ruski because that's what they called us so that identity was imposed upon us that otherness so then we're Ooh. gonna be like oh ruski like the got it so that it's when an identity is imposed upon you, you're always going to like, if, if you feel like an other, yeah. then you're going to make the other person is, yeah. is going to become no, the other. We have well. that too, actually. And My, that's not from, from supremacy. That's from being persecuted. <laughs> we have that too. Uh, my community is very monolithic. There's a lot of Persian Jews in Beverly Hills. 
And the first thing they'll ask if it's another uh, Persian person is Musalmuna, is he Muslim or is he, uh-huh. uh, is he Jewish? It's always asked. Mm-hmm. Musalmun. Okay. A Musliman or a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Muslim. 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 That's Russian. That's Muslim. Yeah. Oh, okay, so, so, yeah. Um, we mentioned like converts, you know, like com- converting to, you yeah. know, being Jewish. Uh, like, how does that work at all? Like, how does that work? <laughs> I think that's just really, I mean, that's like more of a religious thing, I think. So, like, for, for example, like, I think there's a big conversation yeah, about secularism. like. What were you saying? Secularism. Oh, yeah, secularism, right? Mm-hmm. So, it's like, for example, like, I'm not religious, and I feel like I often hear from people like, like, I'll be, like, you know, dancing or whatever, and somebody will ask me, like, oh, what are you, right? Assuming that I'm, like, white with something else or they can't tell, right? And I'll be like, oh, I'm Jewish. And often I get met with, like, oh, well, did you know that black people are the, re- are the real Jewish people? And I'm like, yeah, sure, take it. Like, I have no stake in that. I Mm-mm. I think that, like, I've seen Prince of Egypt. There's a lot of melanin in that movie. Like, we that the yeah. Middle East is an area, like, right next to Africa. Like, I think that to – I don't think that – Black people are not the real Jews. I think that that whole conversation is totally valid. I don't know enough of my history to really understand it because, like, there has been oppression. There has been things that I've lost historically. So mm-hmm. I know that we, like, do come from the Middle East. Um, but I know that also within the Jewish community, there are black Jews and there are white Jews and there are brown Jews. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, bro. But mm-hmm. oh, but because of white supremacy, white mm-hmm. Jews, mm-hmm. which, you know, we're more talking about color, you know, yeah, have become the dominant perception of what it what jewish is right right yeah. so i'm glad that you mentioned you know the 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 fake jew um because i was going to ask you that it was a question you know how do you do you hear that and how do you feel when you hear something like that you know uh, yeah i get asked that all the time the fake jew uh, like what do you mean, that the white jew or? We, we we are not like we are jewish converts because like the real some people think that the real like Jewish person is that from Africa is like the black Israelite is like, got that's it. who the original Jewish person was. And then, um, somewhere along the line, it kind of got like whitewashed. Everybody converted. But I, I don't, my question though, is like, why would anybody, if you could choose to be white in Europe though, I mean, that was the move. Like don't choose to be Jewish. <laughs> yeah, they there persecuted. Inquis- yeah, they measured like, our noses. Sure like, people oh, weren't Jewish. Right, like, right. Yeah. To so, be. you know, the story of Shabbatai Sevi. It's where the Illuminati comes from, the theory of the Illuminati. Uh, 13th century Jewish rabbi okay. uh, says he has a theory that we have to redeem ourselves through sin. Okay? It's it's a dark story. So he tells everyone. We every- didn't have sins as Jews. We don't have hell. No, they're sinning. I, oh, I believe okay. there's. His idea is redemption through sin. So he said to bring God on earth, we have to break all the rules of the Torah. So they were doing orgies and all mm. these stuff, and um, very dark stuff, maybe all that shit. Kabbalah, um, sexual. And, mm-hmm. and he had a million followers, and a lot of people were converting at that time. So, uh, And then his f- uh, follower, Jacob Frank, and, and then eventually Adam Weiss helped in the Illuminati. That's the theory. Mm. That's the theory. Oh, wow, because I heard the Adam Weissop theory, but I never heard that this is where he got his... Inspiration. I don't, I don't know um, any of this. To be from honest. a rogue rabbi. Oh, no. I just like history. From a rogue rabbi. Gone that oh, is that right? A rogue rabbi, huh? Well, well yeah. I, hey. And you know, the, <laughs> the Freemasonry has the Kabbalah, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's borrowed traditions from everywhere right. as well. Right. I mean, Kabbalah is like mysticism. It's like its own kind of... Do, do you right. know what that is? Right. Um, The Kabbalah, that's like the Jewish 
Bible or is it? Uh, no, no. We have the Torah and right. then the uh, like Kabbalah, Kabbalah. I don't know. I feel like Kabbalah is what Kabbalah, we say in the I've U.S. Heard, but like it's like the Jewish mysticism. Like it's like yeah, sacred yeah, yeah, geometry. Yeah, 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 like yeah. whoa, which is actually stolen from. Well, okay. Let me. We on a podcast. You feel me? <laughs> a lot of borrowed elements. You feel of me? Course. From Af- from of course. Things are borrowed. Of course. I mean, that's the cradle of humanity. Comes from Everything's Egypt. Come from. Right, and especially when we're talking about like biblical times, we're talking way back then. Everything's kind of like there's lots of people in in the ocean going to other places. There's lots of people mixing cultures and inquisitions and all types of colonization. Right. Yeah, it's gonna get mixed up. Right, (laughs) and the problem is people somehow think the world is like I don't know a couple hundred thousand years old, but in reality, it's like you know there's so much history leading up into this point. Um, Especially if we want to understand like cultures, religion, you gotta go like a little bit back um so yeah all right cool so let's talk a little bit about like austin some things that you had on your list okay um yeah so i know one of the things that you mentioned that was kind of at the top of the list was like cross sections of neighborhoods um yeah and kind of like you know being like an outsider yeah something like what did what what did you mean by that i've been traveling okay i've been going to different neighborhoods i've been Mm -hmm. going to Lemur Park, I, I've been taking the bus, just going everywhere where I want to go. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm a person of color in these neighborhoods because I'm the opposite color, right? right. Whether I'm surrounded by a brown neighborhood uh, or a Mexican neighborhood or a black neighborhood. And um, it's interesting. I just, it's it's a totally different vibe. I feel it as a totally different vibe. And I, I think... What I'm learning is uh, places do have their vibration. And mm. and I just want to learn about people because I feel like I'm from Beverly Hills and I never go Wait, in these other neighborhoods. Are you perceived as white, bro? So like a white, if you walk into a white classroom, do you yeah. feel that you aren't perceived as a white person or a brown person in that space? No, I get the brown, but I also get white too. From who though do you get, who do you get called white and who do you get called brown? It just depends the person, you know? Yeah, I totally get it that. Just, yeah. It just depends the person. I actually am Caucasian. I'm from Caucasia. Yeah, the Caucasus Mountains are in the Middle East. You know it. Yeah. That's that's my people. It's not European people. I'm Caucasian. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> but. <laughs> is that, is that a, that's facts or are we joking? No, no, the Caucasus Mountains are in the Middle East. So that means like even somebody who's from the Middle East who is very darker complected would technically claim Caucasian. Yeah. A lot of these terms. The, the term is stolen. Have, yeah. Even like the term Semitic is not. Yeah, Semitic yeah. doesn't yeah, really mean Jewish. Yeah, let's get into that. Like what is means that I are right like semitic is like mm. of that area yeah like, but again the, the all these East. things become co-opted mm. by whiteness which is yeah. our common enemy the common enemy <laughs> white supremacy yeah. so, oh okay how wait how do we get there the white enemy oh because oh, <laughs> you were talking about going into different neighborhoods yeah. where you were being perceived and no 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 i mean no, not semitic. white but like white oh, supremacy oh yeah is like common enemy. all of these words that have other otherized so many people have either been like appropriated or used against people by right. like white like white how people. the caucus yeah. mountains aren't in europe and semitic right. people don't hail yeah. from europe but somehow it's been like like white like whiteness and white supremacy has like co-opted those terms somehow. what i heard about caucasian is that in the maybe in the bible or some historical document that caucasia had the fairest women or something the fairest looking people so a dutch guy labeled white people as the caucasian people Mm. right because i was that was what i was leading into not like i how did it become to where we view white people as like you know being caucasian and that's like 
the mm-hmm. identity that we've assigned to them. So I was just like really surprised to hear you say that. And so you said that that happened by a, how did that happen? How did the white people start being? Cause I, the I, I believe women, a Dutch man took the turn the maybe in 15th century. I, I have no, I don't have enough information to know, but I do know yeah. the Caucasus okay. mountains were, are in the middle East. Yeah. The Caucasus mountains are like Turkey, Armenia, mm-hmm. uh, and Iran. And I, and I think a big conversation too about that is like when we think about, when we think about these places, right, even if we think about Israel, right, and we, we consider it like a race thing. But to be honest, a lot of the people, like, look very similar. Right. You know what I mean? And that's something really... In Israel? Yeah, I feel like, because, like, I know my cousins over there, like, can be perceived, especially if they're in the States, as somebody just, like, Middle Eastern, like, not Jewish, mm. necessarily. Like, no one's like, oh, you're a white Jewish person. and you, you know what I mean? So I think it's like there's a lot of, especially, like, if, depending on how long, like, the area has been... But I mean, and this is not to defend, though, the crazy occupation that is Israel, which, by the way, like the U.S., we support Israel as a state with huge amounts of funding. Just trying to put that out there. So with that said, though, like I'm not trying to like erase the very fact that there's like a genocide going on there. But I am saying, though, it it is a little bit more when it gets to an ethno religion, it it is a little bit more complex than just like white or black, which is which is also very American as well, Mm -hmm. like the idea of race in America, like, so much of it stems from white supremacy, from slavery, from all of these things that, like, have systematically oppressed people for generations and generations. So when it comes to this kind of other complex issue as an American, it's kind of easy. It's easier, I think, for us as Americans to perceive it in in this way, but it it is more complex than that because so much is, like, lost scrolls and whose land is what. It's like, bro, Mm -hmm. there's a lot there. So this is my question. How mm-hmm. does someone begin to talk about what is happening in Palestine um, without make, like being like anti-Semitic? Anti, right, anti-Semitic or anti-Israel. Mm-hmm. You know, like what is the fine medium to discussing that? Because it seems like even bringing that up and even highlighting the fact that here's the Palestinian people and, you know, this is yeah. a huge issue you know this is a huge like war you know people are dying um people's homes are being like pushed out the way like how do you even address that if like there's this it's kind of like the same thing of like trying to address certain things within the jewish community or you know it's like the anti-semitic is like a a block i I think they just slap that jew isn't uh, synonymous yeah i I think that's a really important thing so I think that's the foundation. Yeah. What is a Zionist from your perspective in relation to what being Jewish is? A Zionist is somebody who believes that, like, I guess specifically white Jews, like Jews that, um, like, should occupy Israel and that it, that that uh, piece of land belongs to them. They're like because, colonists, and it goes colonizers. They're colonizers. But doesn't <laughs> it go back in a sense to the? Bible, right? They're saying that right. like, they they're, deserve a piece of because yeah. they're I like mean, scattered across the I earth. I haven't and read they the book. It. We can sit here and argue all right. day. I, you know, I, I'm I, not. I, I, but it's I, about I humanity see. at the end of the day. Yeah, it's about what's right. happening now. If you, are, if you don't believe in apartheid, if you don't believe in genocide, then it's I, it's, it's it's obvious to me. But to right. a lot of people, it right. isn't. And there's right. a lot of emotion. Right. Right. So if you speak to my parents, it's going to be different, right? Because oh, yeah. like they mm-hmm. they they experience religious persecution, right? Like they know what that's like firsthand. I was born in America. I was the first person in my family to be born here and like I, I you know, I'm, I'm white like I, I slid by I've never been like persecuted for being a Jew so I don't know what that feels like I don't have that kind of like gut emotional in, like reaction or like somebody like a generation behind me would Doesn't so that, I understand it oh, sorry. But, no no you're, go ahead, you're, go ahead. isn't that an interesting dynamic though mm-hmm. like you know um, 
being like born in the country that your parents are fleeing to to escape their you know persecution um and then because you were born here you have kind of like in a sense you have a connection because you're in the household and this is your family but not really like you were saying you know it's not like that real gut like you know mm-hmm. this is something you experience yeah. like how is that like oh lots of arguments most of my, my parents don't understand how i could be like a proud jew and also not be a zionist and think that yeah. like israel like shouldn't be like a only mm. jewish state you know generational mm-hmm. i think though sorry i don't want to cut you no, off, no, but i think also too like my my father's parents like immigrated from israel right so and we have like a lot of family in tel aviv um and within my family, we are all very pro-Palestinian. Like, my parents, to be honest, even my grandparents, to a large extent, my, my grandma, who even immigrated from there, like, kind of has even changed her ways because my sister married someone from Pakistan. And although Pakistan obviously is not in the Middle East, it's Southeast Asia, Pakistan is a Muslim state. So they have a child, and they're raising the child, like, Muslim and Jewish as well. But, I mean, a lot of it stems from the fact we've always been, our family's been open-minded because I think it's pretty clear to us what what's not right you know what i mean like there's a there's descendants descendants from the holocaust on one side of my family right so it's like we we can see it when it's happening so i think that that's an example though of like somebody that is an israeli um, american you know generational like first first gen second gen second gen first but yeah like that's my identity and yet we proudly stand up and support Palestine as do many young people in Israel as well obviously the majority it's like there's a lot of really there's so much hate that's being brainwashed to people over there of course but there are also like a lot of young people that support Palestine within Israel Mm. and I think that that's you can be both I can be Jewish ethnically I'm not religious yeah right and I only say Jewish ethnically because this is the culture I know and like this is like all I've known my whole life so it's like I don't really know what else to say like I wish I had more answers I wish it was clear but it, it but it's not mm. so it's like I just claim this because it's like as Where close as it'll from? get I guess mm. to something and like but I'm not religious um my family is you know came here from Israel and we're still pro-Palestine so I think that that's a, a big nuance there you know there's very nuanced situation Definitely, definitely. Do you have anything anything coming to mind, Austin? Uh, I just think it's nuts, all this persecution over thoughts, religion. Mm. I still don't understand how it goes from a religion to an ethnicity because it's maybe it's a culture, and a, a culture you take on. You take on doing the Shabbat candles and having Shabbat weekly, eating the certain food, sticking to other Jews for a reason. Um, the Jews had a lot of persecutions, uh, maybe that's what kept them together. Yeah, the gene pool yeah. small. We weren't allowed. Yeah, they're socially isolated, so that's why like right. the gene pool is so small, and the ethnicity actually does ah. exist. And is like you take a twenty three and meet the test. Like like I have an aunt that's taken like one of those tests, yeah. and like she gets ninety nine percent Ashkenazi Jew. That's at the top of her results. Which yeah. even when I learned that was like interesting to me because my whole life I've been fed the narrative of it just being a culture or a religion. When like I don't think right. culturally or like more culturally like I have like you know. Soviet Union, like Ukraine, kind of like cultural associations, but um, I don't practice Judaism at all. I was I was not bat mitzvahed, like formally. I don't. I've never it. really been to a Shabbat. I don't Damn. have many Jewish friends. Oh my god! What? Wow. Joss is my only wow. Jewish friend. 
Um, so yeah, your, like, where you grew up was a Jew. I grew up in Staten Island, New York, where it was heavily Catholic hey. Italian. Ah, I was one of the only Jews I knew. So got it. I had friends in Brooklyn that were Jewish, but even then, like, so the Soviet Union was secular. Religion was taken away from like my family and Jews. Like you yeah. weren't allowed to practice Judaism, but you were still as an identity. Like you were a Jew, so you couldn't do certain things. Like my mom couldn't go to college, even though she wanted to. Like, become could you a just doctor. like pretend you oh, weren't wow. Jewish? Or can no. they test tell? It's easy to tell there. You had it like literally in your documents. Well, yeah, like yeah. you had it in your documents. Like, like yeah. my dad would tell me like stories about like his like kindergarten teacher knew he was Jewish, so he was like segregated. Uh, Wait, mine too. Mm-hmm. Mine too. We had se- my parents, uncles, tell me stories of segregation. Yeah. Uh, Jews could only carry certain jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's good. There, there's a reason why, like, if you like meet a Russian American in, like, in this country, they're probably like 90% going to be Jewish. Like, I don't meet many non-Jew like Russians, mm-hmm. like immigrants. Like, even like my neighbor, I live in West Hollywood. My neighbor West is, Hollywood. A, is is an old uh, mm-hmm. Russian Jewish lady. Like, I don't meet many like Orthodox like Christian Russians. Very rarely. You go to any mm-hmm. like uh, like any like little Ukraine, it's going to be mostly Jews. It's like they, there's a reason mm-hmm. they left. You know, this is um, just mm-hmm. listening to you guys talk is bringing up something um, that I guess um, Hitler and his crew basically had studied like U.S. Mm-hmm. Jim Crow. We I yep. just read that. We were that. just talking we about, were that. Just talking about right. that in the car. To like, you know, basically figure out ways to restrict and control and, you know, and wipe out yeah. and identify the Jewish community in Germany. My question is like, okay, they're... they're with the similarities in the persecution mm-hmm. on both ends of the African American community and the Jewish community, why do you think that there's not more unity? Or maybe I'm framing mm-hmm. my question wrong because, from my perspective, I don't really see much like um, even like relationships or maybe because the communities are so divided i think um because growing up in la you know only grew up like really next to like hispanic people Mm. you know i didn't have white neighbors i didn't have really any other ethnicity you know um asian or you know i i I didn't really or it wasn't really said to me like oh i'm jewish i mean i I didn't have any fair skin it was just basically black and latino so what i'm from my perspective there's no real i don't really have a connection to the jewish community i don't really can't point to many instances in the black community where there is a connection there Mm. um so i guess i'll Mm. say do you feel like there's more connections that maybe i'm not seeing and if not why do you feel that there's not more with kind of like the similarities within like the genocide you know per se the, like the Jewish community is a, a diasporic community, so we're kind of like dispersed everywhere. Mm-hmm. So we, it's, it's hard to kind of unify, which I guess is like what they tried to do with Israel, but in like the worst way possible. <laughs> so I think that okay. I got a good answer. Uh, I think in the case of what I see is that uh, uh, my mom wants to be white. My mom is kind of white. She's pretty darn Russian looking, um, but. Uh, uh, they want to stick to the winners of society and be like the winners, at least from white supremacy. My white perspective, supremacy, right? Yeah. Always there. Just they like, all roads right? to that. They want to be there. like the people who are rich and whatever, and um, and uh, fear the black people just like the white people do. It's colorism, you know. Yeah. I think 
when it comes to like, so I think. <laughs> That's not, I said that. I think, sorry, what were you going to say? No, I can't believe I said that. No, like, because it's true. I mean, people. Eurocentric things like controls everything. Everybody, you know, I think it takes a lot to embrace other things. But I think with the question of like the black and Jewish community, right? I think I have maybe like a different experience than a lot of people. But mm. like, I feel that um, kind of early on, my, my family, uh, my mom's side was like, she grew up in Baltimore, and at the time, she lived in, like, the black neighborhood. I guess that's where, like, the Jews were as well. Mm. And so her, like, parents opened up a, a record store, right, mm. to basically, there was, like, a market untouched there, which was, like, we can open a record store and have R&B music and have a lot of, like, black customers. And that mm. is what happened. And so it was, like, because of that, I feel like it's kind of trickled down now where it's, like, um, I think also too, if we're gonna talk about Jews in the industry, my father is in the industry. He is a music entertainment lawyer, and he has mm. worked with a lot of different people. But he's also worked with a lot of like rap rappers and people of color, especially a lot of black people. So I feel like when it came to our generation, especially me being an artist and stuff, I personally owe so much to the black community, especially in music. I mean, like not only that, but when I lived in the South, the reason I'm able to make music is because the first people who ever paid attention or gave me any type of platform was the black community in Nashville, the black community in North Carolina. Mm. And um, when it comes to, so in my mind, I see like the Jewish black solidarity thing a lot, but I also realize that that's like such a specific, specific thing. Like, I think that, I think that there's like not enough intersect there. And when it is, it's like interesting. Like, for example, like uh, when shows were still happening, I was actually asked to perform at Lamert Park mm. and I, <laughs> chose chose not to do that because I, I wasn't I, I'm, it wasn't for me you know what I mean not like it wasn't for me but I am not the right person to be performing at the Ellamark Park a sacred space for like mm. black people a, sac- a sacred space for like black love and black joy that that doesn't I'm, I'm not there mm. on the mic like that so that oh. was I had to back off from that one but I think that that's a good example of like where do we fit in in this circumstance because in the industry right there's a lot of conversations about like uh, the Jewish exploitation of like black people. I mean, I hear that from time to time. And I think there's also a conversation here, which is like, we also made it happen in the music industry kind of <laughs> together, low key, uh, low key, to be honest with you, you know? So I personally feel like in my life, I've seen that a lot, but I know that that's a rare and seldom experience. Definitely. Um, what I was thinking was kind of like how important it is for us to be in closer proximity to each other as different races Mm -hmm. and which is one of the biggest issues about why there's so much um confusion about who we are and people being lumped into each other you know and so that's just like Mm -hmm. amazing that I think that it um for you to be able to have these the the uh, perspective that you do um you know has to also have props from your from your parents as well who also had that exposure to the black community having that um record store so this actually i kind of want to segue maybe into um this conversation because you kind of like mentioned Uh it so we um basically began corresponding like after i had posted on my instagram that um which was really something that i posted to my instagram story um before i even posted it to my instagram because it wasn't like i didn't want a conversation around it it was just a thought a comment a valid a valid thought You know, and for people that have no context, you know, it's like people that have no context for what you're saying want to attack you for your thought process. But in reality, they're the ones that lack the context for the conversation. Right. So basically, um, I just 
first let me check my chakra bracelet make sure i'm aligned before mm-hmm. i even you feel me um because but basically um i had wrote that um you know kind of just thinking about like what was happening with nick cannon and mm-hmm. um you know his situation whatever happened you know he works for jewish people so i, I mean mm-hmm. you know i don't know you know that's a different conversation you feel me um, seeing him on the platform with Professor Griff, I already knew where the conversation was going. You know what I'm saying? Like anybody and and people might not even know who Professor Griff is or just me. Like I like history and I like hip hop, you know, and I pay respect to people that's talking about something other than like things that's like leading our people into dis- destruction. So in college, I was aware of Professor Griff and, you know, what he was talking about, um, and so when I seen him on Nick Cannon's platform, I already knew what the conversation was about without even having to listen mm. to the podcast. Mm. And so um, we didn't even really get to dive into the full podcast because they removed it almost immediately. Right. So mm. whatever the whole backlash he got, the thought that I had was, you know, um, people feel some kind of way, you know, yet like. Um, Jewish owned production companies continue to promote like negative images about black people because they own the infrastructure. Right. So basically a few weeks before that, a girl who had reached out to me and basically tried to, um, give me a job, get me hooked up with this job at this, you know, local radio station. She like, you know, was like super supportive looked over the resume gave me the language talked to me on the phone like she was really invested in like trying to hook homegirl up with this job or whatever um and then she see me post that and she like emailed me immediately mind you she's a black girl and she's just like you know um you're anti-semitic you feel me and not only that like you wrote something on on twitter about a mask or questioning a mask coronavirus facts and i'm just like homegirl with the group think over here whatever so i just told her you know like i'm sorry you feel that way you know like take care you know soul sister because she she told me that she thought i was her soul sister because she saw me right i was in foster care blah 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 blah, yada yada um you know at that same time literally like this all happened within the same like few days or a week this la-based publication and I'm only going to say their name because people need to know. But after this, they'll just be called the publication. Yeah. L.A. Taco divest from these anti-black, just the same, the same framework of wanting to use black people, people of color to fuel these white owned yeah. platforms. You yeah. feel me? And we don't own the infrastructure. And it kind of goes back into the mm. thought process again about the hip hop, you know, how many major like it's not even the record company because we do have pop in record companies black owned but it go it boils down to distribution and marketing mm-hmm. worldwide black people don't really own the infrastructure for that and so it's like mm-hmm. yeah we're making yeah. the images and all this stuff but i would love to be a fly on the wall when these black people from the inner city are in these you know um, board meetings with these non-black people like what does that look like you know what I'm saying what are like the complexities within the art making process and kind of like what gets the green light to be put out and promoted versus what doesn't you know what I'm saying and so that whole yeah. Instagram post that was the thinking behind it you know totally valid yeah. valid if you know what if you have the context for it and the fact that these are journalists, you feel me, who are policing me and basically um, 
Ellie Taco wanted me to basically take over their website again, you know, trying to use my image and my labor to legitimize whatever they have going on over there. And um, basically the girl from tried to give me this job. She works at a, you know, radio like these are real corporate journalist folks with blue checks on Twitter. That basically started a smear campaign against me based off this Instagram post. Uh, so when L.A. Taco made this flyer, announced mm-hmm. to both of our following that we were, you know, going to do this guest editor in chief, you know, role. This girl took it upon herself to enlist her one fourth <coughs> Jewish friend. Oh, my God. Who even wrote it in an email like, yeah, I'm one four. I'm only one fourth Jewish, you know, and I'm only a subscriber <sighs> since last month. Only five dollars. But, um, you know, she's anti-Semitic and, oh um, you know, all this other crap. Then he posts this on Twitter and Instagram. And then the girl who tried to get me this job retweets it to her Twitter platform of 3,000 followers and all these corporate white people, journalists with blue checks and everybody. Basically, dog uh. whistle dog whistle politics type shit. That's what it boils down to. It puts the call out to other fucking people to uh. say, oh, look at this girl over here, you know. But at the end of the day, like, Said it's never. Much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day. Dog collar or dog muzzle? Yeah. At the end of the day, like the the con the the work isn't what's being like up for question though. You feel me? Like you're trying to like cancel culture me off of like whatever. And then from there it got even worse because some white person and like you know, this is all happening on Twitter, decides to go and search to see like, oh well let me go see if she's anti Semitic, huh? And she's black from the hood. Let me go see if she ever said anything about you know lgbtq community you know that creates a whole nother situation and so it was like some old tweets one from like 2010 one from like 2016 or whatever but like at the end of the day damn nobody famous people have it hard i'm not famous i'm just a girl (laughs) that came back to from college and went to her community to use the skills that she learned you feel me right to help the community these white folk journalists i'm not Talking to y'all, I'm not even thinking about y'all. There's y'all. no one else doing what you're doing, though. Is there? I I don't know who else is who's doing uh, Slauson, Slauson News. What's going on in South Central? I don't know anybody else. I see the hood vlogs. That's, that's one guy. Right. But, but no one's doing what's going on in the community and the community power. Yeah. I really think, um, I just think it's fear. And I think, like... But yeah, they're trying to use it. Anyway, go on. Wait, yeah, I want to hear you to continue. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, um, within that, it put LA Taco in a very bad position, which is exactly what they, you know, we're all in media, so we all understand this world, right? Put LA Taco in a bad position. They, um, I ended up talking to the white publisher guy who owned the company. I just found out that he was even involved because I only dealt with Latino editor and Latino writers. Talked to the publisher for an hour. All he did was like, you know, the first thing out of his mouth was like, you know, like, I am so sorry that this is happening. Like, you know, I feel like we put you in a really bad position. Talks about, you know, I'm not even going to bring up this portion. I'm going to leave his family out of it. You feel me? But one thing this man did tell me was that he understood what I was saying about Jewish ownership, but I just could not say it publicly because they ran a lot of stuff. And I'm just like, I get it. I get it. I get it. Nick Cannon gets it too. You feel me? But at the end of the day, like, I don't 
work for y'all. I haven't signed no contract yet. Y'all policing me off my own independent stuff. When you yeah. came to me, you feel me? You. So my thing is the guy agreed with me in private for an hour. Okay. And the last thing he said to me, I mentioned that because by that time I had put it um, on Instagram. So you guys, you had reached out to me first, Austin Vita, you um, reached out after Austin. So I had mentioned like, I'm going to be doing a podcast. I was supposed to be writing an article to be published to LA taco the week that I was supposed to be their guest editor to talk about my experiences as, as an independent journalist. And within that article was going to address kind of like what was happening with the controversy. The last thing out this man's mouth was I support you and we're going to make it work or I'm going to try to make it work. But the main thing was I support you period. You feel me? So I don't know how I get, we get from, I support you to, we talk to her and she stands by her homophobic and anti-Semitic tweets. We we can't support, you know, bigotry of any kind. And we uphold biopic voices type thing or whatever. In reality, after I talked to the publisher, the Latino editor um, called me three hours later or text me and said that the white man publisher wanted to get on a three-way call and was I available. I get on the call. And he tells me that they about to release a statement. You feel me? So I don't know how we go from I support you to, you know, he was supposed to be talking to the writers who were talking amongst themselves about the controversy. None of the writers at L.A. Taco ever asked me, hey, we see these tweets. We see what's about to happen. We feel uncomfortable. How do you feel about this? Like, you know, like, what are your thoughts about what you said? Like, you know, don't try to tell me what I meant or who I am. You feel me? None of these people at L.A. Taco asked me. What was my thoughts about any of them in 2020? You feel me? First, like, the only thing it could be was, like, you know, the anti-Semitic thing doesn't hold up. Like, L.A. Taco basically market themselves as some kind of street-style publication, trying to use me to legitimize whatever they were selling, and they buckled under public um, pressure in these yeah. blue check journalists and it really showed that they're not what they're promoting themselves as because if they were yeah. none of that would matter how can you agree with me in private and then throw me under the bus in, in public as a black woman they really wrote that statement because after they after they called me and said they about to release a statement they said do you want to release a statement but my mind was blown that they talking about they about to release a statement that I was like I started typing up my own statement on Instagram <laughs> I said that basically um, they're buckling under um, basically this smear campaign was started by this girl LA Taco sees it they acknowledge it you feel me the first email sent to LA Taco was from these the girl and her friend you feel me to LA Taco and he posts his poorly written email online. So it's like, how can you acknowledge this is a smear campaign? And then like, you know, basically allow that to influence and squash our collaboration. Like where's the support you feel me when you were just trying to use me for legitimacy. So I digress. And I just want to say that I've been tagging them. People been tagging them trying to get, I said, look, if you want to stand by this statement, I invite you on my podcast and we could talk about it. Right. How did you reach that conclusion? We both know that you can't even explain that. You feel me? Because what you going to say, but whatever. I invite you on here to explain it. But if you don't respond, then you need to retract it and delete it. Because we both know what happened. You feel me? And you're just mad because I blew the whistle and said y'all white owned. So y'all trying to scar me on the internet. And, you know, basically try to mess up future opportunities. Because people ain't even probably going to get to the point to ask me what happened. All they're going to see is... Oh shit. Oh, okay. Homophobic, anti Semitic, okay, deuces. Like, you know, no question about the work, you feel me? And just um yeah, so 
LA Taco got me fucked up, period. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like how sorry. they said they're trying to uplift black voices except yours. Except the ones that, <laughs> right, yeah. that don't, yeah. PC I, culture. I it. It's classic, blown out of, like, uh, taken out of context, blown out of proportion. Right. Yeah. Maybe and overly sensitive. I think or? also cancel culture is just, yeah. you know, it's so interesting. We were just talking about this the other day, but, like, the same people who, like, are, like, prison reform, like, abolish the prison system, like, people can totally, like, change, are also the people that are, they like, be so police. strict on cancel culture and calling people out. And I feel like that's, cancel culture is really destructive. You cancel, know what I mean? Right. Cancel culture is one thing, but um, uh, jealousy or trying to derail somebody, I feel like, you know, and then mm. base it within the framework of cancel culture is another thing. Like, you feel me? And I just think, like, I don't know who raised you people. You feel me? It's money, I think. I don't know. I, I think it's the dictates anymore. of one person. I would think mm-hmm. the, the, big, the big fish is uh, scared. Of uh, all these, you know, they're very sensitive. They're scared not to say the wrong, to say the wrong thing. Right. And, um, yeah. uh, you're a little fish. I, I hate talking about the Jewish person. I think it's all well, this money. Was, this is why, this is what's <laughs> interesting. Who's got though? the money and the power and the control. Right. So it's, it's, it's socioeconomical. Yeah, you know? it boils down to it. And it also boils down to, it, it does boil down to money, you know? And yeah. if you're, check is being signed by somebody you feel me and you working for a company that you know is relaying themselves as whatever you have to like fall within line of that you know what i'm saying especially if you don't if you want your paycheck to keep coming you know what i'm saying and so yeah i think that um more than ever especially in 2020 especially within the pandemic us seeing how it's like you know pretty like disposable we are to these companies like more than ever we need to be like doing our own thing and like, we should you know, dispose of these companies right dispose of them and reinvest in your local journalists yeah that part <laughs> yeah, I think grassroots well i just think it's so interesting right because the person who like loki on the phone was like i totally agree with you i just can't say it out loud is a white person mm-hmm. so when i feel like when a white non-jewish person because like i hear a lot like um Jews in a, in some people's minds are the people that are making um, like black people in the media look bad and like making this stuff happen. But I also hear, which I, I'm not disagreeing with, but I also hear from white people that like Jews are the reason that you see like diversity on TV and they're trying to destroy mm. the white race. Right? So we hear this from both sides. So it's like, mm. I feel so much for when I see something that's perceived as anti-Semitic that comes from, like you said, you didn't grow up around a lot of Jews. You probably like haven't had a chance to have a conversation like this. I haven't had a conversation like this, like especially not like recorded and stuff. You know what I mean? So it's like, I think there's a different, it's a different conversation when there's like perceived anti-Semitism when it's really just like outrage of valid concerns and valid hurt and pain that's real versus like when a white person, when a white person says something like, yeah, like Jews on the media, like it's like, bro, shut the fuck up, ready? Like you, you decide when we're white, you decide when we're not, you like, you know what I mean? Also just from personal experience, I have like five years in the music industry. I didn't work at a record label. I worked at a music, like a a live music promotion company, like a corporate giant and Mm -hmm. It was majority white. It was a lot of like in the boardroom with a bunch of other white people using the word urban. Um, <laughs> oh my god! It was a lot of that, and it was funny because like there was always this like you know joke like ah ha ha like media Jews that it up, but like I didn't know a lot of Jews. Like it was mostly Anglo white people. So it's like yes, very mm-hmm. white, very like lack of like incentive and like hiring like people of color and black people, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, weirdly not a lot of Jews, even though that there was always that joke, but I knew, mm-hmm. like, two other, maybe three other Jewish people, mm-hmm. and it was like, oh, you guys are the Jews. Right. right. And everybody else was, like, white Anglo. <laughs> right. Well, I, I feel like... Oh, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, I think there's just a huge lack of lack of empathy here, right? Because, like, if we look at the Nick Cannon situation, mm-hmm. we see that the whole claim, and it's not even a claim, by the way. It was, like, a brief statement. He, like, basically, yeah, what was it, exactly? it was literally nothing. He just kind of agreed with this dude that, like, says stuff about Farrakhan. And he's not, like. Yeah, I like Griff. I'm not, and I'm not trying to, I don't want, like, anybody to be, like, oh, Vita Kari is an anti-Semite, like, Uncle Ruckus of the Jews. No, that's he not the case. He talks about the Illuminati and the celebrities doing this ritual. Nick Cannon, like, all just that casually, like, affirmed something. It was not a big deal. And then if you want to yeah. just see that conversation, I think Paula says it best, which is, like, bro, if you want to talk about Jewish people as not a monolith of, like, owning the media, why Why right. would you it just fire reinforces Nick Cannon? the stereotype. Why it's so annoying. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, see, Ugh. for me, when I, you know, like I said, like, when I think about ownership, um, it's really coming from like a culture perspective, you know, movies, media, ownership. I mean, it's there's a documentary on YouTube. You can go and see it right now, you know, about how Jewish Jewish people founded Hollywood. You know what I'm saying? And so it, it boils down to like ownership of companies, you know, and of course, like we're in 2020. So, you know, there's like maybe some changes over time. But at the end of the day, there's still these, you know, um, you all know, the steens. <laughs> right Weinstein um, Goldstein Well yeah I mean Jews, right. Jews definitely have a huge pr- pr- Like huge presence in Hollywood Without a doubt But it is totally And that's to- And that is majority white Jews Right mm-hmm. And like I think that's important I'm not like yeah. Trying to, to To like discredit that Like there's a huge Disproportionate no, and I think that, and that's like a lot of what we talked about before. There's a not, disproportionate. Not even Persian Jews. Shaws no. of Sunset, only one guy is Jewish. <laughs> but like, it's, it's just important to note that so much of that, like, is a, is an overwhelming presence, right? Mm. And that's and that is something that we should note because, well, yeah. But you know, they're also scared that these statements are going to become a propaganda to somehow, maybe this is my thought, um, that to be a propaganda to go against Jews once again. Cause there's, Wait, there was, oh, like you mean with the anti semitic bro? It is, it is not going to get like that. Like Jews for so many. I mean, yeah, it's about structural. Yeah, power it's about structural. That's what happened and in that Nazi like, Germany. Right. Bro, we are know. not worried about that in America right now. I I heard this great rabbi talk about how, uh, what happened in Germany and why Hitler wanted to exterminate the Jews was because the economy was so fucked up. And like, he blamed it on the Jewish people. I mean, I get it. They had the money. Yeah. Jews weren't no. in banks Toward, because they were kind of forced to do to the, work everything there. And saying. then it kind of just became that. And then it's like, oh, the Jews have too much power. They control the money. And then... Wallace. Right. So, okay. I'm Holocaust. glad we, meant, we... I just want to keep in mind that, like, when we talk about... Okay, this is how I even came to know about, like this concept is that I'm studying, you know, doing my hip hop history, you know, and when you, when I would just like go and look up companies, like, you know, I don't think a lot of people make it that far. And I'm not saying that like Jewish people own all the companies in the world, but it's just to say that when I was looking up certain things or, you know, people, groups, companies, whatever, like I would see, you know, different times that they were Jewish and that does not mean that, like, like I'm thinking about the Jewish people as a whole. Different times know? they were Jewish? Okay, Diff- like different um, people that were Jewish. That, like... Jewish ownership. Right, of Jewish ownership. And so that's, like, how that became a theme for me, that I was like, oh, wow, like, you know, searching different companies, like, okay, Jewish ownership, whatever. So that's, like, where I'm coming up with this concept. But it's not that I'm thinking of Jewish people as a whole when I'm, like, thinking that, you know? And so... 
I just want to be like mindful of that. Like we're talking about power and resources. And a lot of times these people that happen to be Jewish are also white passing. So it's kind of like within the construct of white supremacy at the end of the day. So white supremacy is the common denominator. And I don't think that the Jewish, I'm not like focusing on Jewish in a sense, but it's like their um, closeness and proximity to whiteness has allowed them to be in that position. And they just so happen to be Jewish. If that makes sense. Well, uh, I think, uh, I think the Jews had to be like in the Bible, they they were the money changers, mm-hmm. right? And I think the Jews could only have certain jobs. One of them being money changers, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. that big banker, the Rothschild, you know. And <laughs> then you are going back to the Illuminati. I know, I know, I know. But we just okay. have to be mindful that um, you know, even within you know these um, conspiracies and understandings that you know, we're not talking about the Jewish community as a whole. And it's dangerous Mm. to look at people as one monolithic group. Oh my God. Got it. Thanks for saying that. I just want to keep that in mind, you know, like whatever, you know, people listen to this podcast and there's going to be, you know, different ideas, um, different conversations, different identities, different life experiences that shape the way that we all think. Right. Which is the beauty of it. And so we're not talking about everybody as a whole. Not all Jews. You know, it's not all Jews. (laughs) They just so happen to be Jewish due to their, you know, and they've made it that far based off mainly their proximity to whiteness. Like only Wikipedia really knows, like, you know, or whoever, because they didn't research their background. You feel me? But when these people are operating within these spaces, like how many of them are like, yeah, I'm Jewish. Like, you know, or are they white Mm. passing? I mean, I feel like you can be white. And Jewish, yeah, can be white passing, white passing and Jewish, yes, just white, white Jewish. Jewish. Okay. But I think I think mm-hmm. that's really important to know. Is like I feel like Jews immigrated here by choice to America, saw that they could do well in an industry, right? So they started coming up really quick. And of course, yeah. because our culture is so, um, our culture is just so community oriented. It's like let me put my cousin on, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why you see, and I see that you see that in a lot of communities. You see that in the Asian community. You see that in like lots of communities, like uh, just across the board. Like you put on. Uh, like a family member you put on like a cousin before all else and like I think that that's important to note especially when it comes to whiteness is why you see a predominantly like white Jewish presence here which is which is I think there's a lot of responsibility there like Mm -hmm. you have to be if you are in the industry as a white Jewish person you have to remember like that if you want to claim like oh I'm Jewish anti-semitic like remember the oppression that you like feel that your people have been through and apply it to like diversity, apply it to not gentrifying certain areas, like apply it to those things. I think there's a lot more social responsibility that needs to happen there. At the end of the day, it's about structural power. Exactly. And white supremacy. Structural power and white supremacy are the common denominators here that we want to keep in mind, you know? And, um, within, within discussing different identities that are, um, within these power structures, it's not grouping, everyone together you know and i think that's where the problem is and that's where people we can't address the conversations because the guards come up you know i think that that's a big mistake though and i think that that is when speaking about jewish people i Mm -hmm. think it's really really important to clarify which jewish people you're speaking on in that moment because i think it hurts it hurts many jewish people of color that already kind of are going through so much you know what i mean right already like need to not also have that on them definitely you know what i mean but like white jewish people for sure should be should be held accountable right definitely maybe we have you know there's the theory we got these strange survival skills 
from being persecuted for so long. A lot of Jewish people are Nobel Peace Prize winners. There, or there's there's a high number, there's a high percentage of successful people who are Jewish, and we're a small percentage of the population, right? You heard this? No, I'm no, I know this, of course. Right. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty like known, you know. Um. Yeah, we have a lot of structural power within our within our community. I think that's really important. We need to be accountable, especially those at the sit atop the white supremacy, atop the colors, and within the Jewish community, need to be accountable. Need to like also have more empathy for the Nikanan situation, Farrakhan. Why is the Nation of Islam even? like a thing it comes out of pain generations and generations of pain although it's incredibly homophobic and has you know some anti-semitic views and all of that right it also has done a lot for some people like in turn and times when things were really hard back in the day and like you know like it instilled a lot of like confidence and like black love at times and now yes it, we're down the line and we see like yeah. it's anti-semitic and we see all this but i think we have to also understand like all of these things all of the criticism against jews Except when it comes from white people, because that shit's just weird and othering. But every other every other person, though, like that, needs to be met with more empathy. Which is why the LA Taco situation is difficult because it's just like, did you ever talk to her about what she meant? Did you under- try to understand the pain there? Like, did you look into it any deeper other than assuming? You know, and I think that that's really important. And also, have have you had the exp- like? Did anybody check in with like you to see if you? Like when you say Jews, right? You and I think that's hard because it's like when you say Jews now, all of a sudden it's like monolithic, and you like leave out certain people in the equation. I think that that is, I think something that I wish more people um, did speak on. But other than that, I think that there just needs to be more empathy with the criticisms. Definitely, like and that. But it's a religion. Like people are assholes. There's horrible people everywhere. Like, like why is this guy now? He's a he's a, why why are we labeling him a Jew? You know why don't we label him what his culture is? That, that's that's what I'm getting at. But then, how do they persecute us in the in the you know in the Holocaust and all that? How do they figure right. that out? You know, you're right. It's, it's an ethnicity at the end of the day as well. You're right. You're right. Because yeah. I'm not religious. Yeah, and honestly, we're barely scratching the surface like of this conversation. Like, <laughs> yeah. like it just as far so as like much. intersectionality, like there's so much that has to do with like class. There's so much that has to do with like gender in these conversations mm-hmm. as well. Sexuality, like there's 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 so, so much. much. Yeah. You could be here all day, definitely. Yeah. Um, but I mean. I, you know, just like when I did the Black and Brown podcast, you know, I invite others in the community to also have these conversations. These are continuing conversations, you know. At any point, we can do like a part two, you know, I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. Because there is a lot to cover, you know, and, um, but yeah, but on this episode, we have to close out. But um, do you guys have any last, you know, thoughts? We can, you know, 30 second go around, you know, anything that you want to, you know, just make clear. Um, reiterate you know any last thoughts thank you so much i'm trying to weave myself into my neighbors you're my neighbor the different neighborhoods are my neighbors i want to know my neighbors i don't want to be caught in it's literally like a prison when you cannot when you don't feel safe around other people so um and for whatever reason i want to know my neighbors definitely so i appreciate it we want to know you thank you it's been a pleasure meeting you yeah, no, I think we started at like the same, like started and ended at the same place, which is like you know the common denominator is white supremacy, white and that's supremacy. what we have to abolish and fight every day. Definitely, definitely. I, I think, yeah, I think in this podcast, like I know that, um, like there will be Jewish listeners, and there'll, there'll be like many different listeners, right, in this podcast. But I know there will be a lot of Black and Jewish listeners, and I just really urge the Jewish people here to look at it with more empathy and to be constructive with your criticisms and also to think about how white supremacy plays in this role and your their their complicitness with white supremacy. And I also urge just everybody listening to have an open mind and understand that 
like I said, Jews are not a monolith, but I, I hope it's constructive. I hope people walk away with good feelings. Thank Definitely, you. I will. And, you know, it'll be, you know, people have thoughts and everything. But at the end of the day, we all have access to the Internet to have our own platforms and to create conversations. And I encourage everyone to do so. Thank you so much, you Thank all. You so I really much. appreciate it. All right. That Jewish trauma also. Maybe that's why JT. people think the way they think is from trauma. Intergenerational trauma, Intergenerational of course. Trauma. That trauma. So they have to think... In this Something survival technique, we all share. <laughs> afraid of the other. Um, yeah. Is, 